Welcome to Rocktail Hour, an hour's worth of rockin' good time in about 15 minutes with your buddies Tim, Treg, and Michael. Three old guys that are a testament to the fact that rock and roll keeps you young. In each Rocktail Hour, we bring you our favorite stories behind the greatest rock and roll tunes of all time and other interesting ruminations about the music and the rockers who inspire us. Today's Rocktail Hour is brought to you by Audible.com. Download a free audiobook of your choice from the link on our homepage or affiliates page. In today's Rocktail Hour, Tim is going to tell us the story behind Don't Fear the Reaper by B.O.C. Don't Fear the Reaper is a great song. It's off of uh, Agents of Fortune, which is Blue Oyster Cult's 1976 album. The song itself was written by one of the band members. Um, His name was Donald Roser, but he also was known as Buck Dharma. And I didn't realize this, but this has some uh, real distinct uh, achievements uh, in the past, this song. Don't Fear the Reaper was Blue Oyster Cult's biggest hit. It reached as high as number 12 uh, on the American charts in 1976. It is listed as uh, number 397 on Rolling Stone's list of top 500 rock and roll songs. And um, the popularity never stops waning, apparently, because in 2010, uh, which was when I could get uh, data for this, it had sold just under a million digital copies. Interestingly, on the album, the the song length ran 5 minutes and 8 seconds, and the radio version we hear, if you listen to a classic rock station, if you're listening for more than about 45 minutes, you're going to hear this song. But apparently, the radio version comes in at 3 minutes and 50 seconds, so they edit it out just uh, about a minute and 18 seconds uh, to make it more playable on the radio. Um, This song has been widely misunderstood, and the reason that I wanted to do this particular song was because it was misunderstood by myself. We've talked in the past about how uh, in the 80s, some of these uh, hard rock and roll bands got a little bit of a a bad rap for having some kind of uh, satanic lyrics or uh, lyrics that dealt with the occult. And I think this was one of them, particularly uh, with the idea of, of suicide. Most people believe that this song is about suicide, references to Romeo and Juliet, and, and don't fear the Reaper. The Reaper obviously being the Grim Reaper or the symbol of death. That's a real archetypal, uh, is that the right word? Archetypical. <laughs> the Reaper is a real uh, iconic American symbol of death. And and so most people thought this song was somehow glorifying death, particularly suicide wherein two people who were in love with each other chose to commit suicide so that they would be together forever. Well, I wanted to do a Rocktail Hour about this song almost from the very beginning, uh, but it kind of got pushed off each time we did some recording sessions until just recently when I finally dug in and, and started doing some research and found that the meaning of this song is just the opposite of what most people believe that it's about. In fact, Buck Dharma claims to have been appalled when he realized that that most people thought this song was about suicide, and he says... I felt that I had just achieved some kind of resonance with the psychology of people when I came up with the idea of this song. I was actually kind of appalled when I first realized that some people were seeing it as an advertisement for suicide or something that was not my intention at all. And then he goes on to say that the song is really about not being afraid of death as opposed to actively bringing it on. And he says it's basically a love song where love actually transcends the physical existence of of people who are in love. 
And I thought, wow, that's really awesome, because then if you begin to look uh, at the idea of people who can be together forever, even after death, because they do love each other so much, those lyrics take on a very different meaning, and they become even more poetic. Now, I think the lyrics are good in either context, but as you as you put them into the context um, that Buck Dharma originally intended, they become beautiful. And I wanted to take a minute and, and talk about the lyrics. And let me back up just a little bit, because this song has clearly for a long time been looked at about death and about suicide in a negative light. Um, most famously in Stephen King's book, The Stand. Um, it's about uh, a post-apocalyptic society where most of the people on Earth have been wiped out due to a, a strain of the flu. Right at the very beginning of the book, Stephen King quotes this song, uh, as he does quite often in a lot of his books, especially the early ones. He would take lyrics from from songs and use them to introduce chapters or the idea of a book. And then, of course, when the movie was made, the movie was opened up as everybody was dying from the super flu. This song was playing, um, and it was and it worked to great effect. However, now knowing what the real meaning of the song is, and the fact that Buck Dharma uh, went so far as to say that he was appalled that people were in interpreting it this way, really, again, makes me feel differently about the lyrics. So, the lyrics start out by saying, All our times have come, here but now they're gone. Seasons don't fear the reaper, nor do the wind, the sun, or the rain. We can be like they are. Um, again, here's here's where I think that a lot of the the misinterpretation of it being about suicide. Uh, Valentine is done here, but now they're gone. Romeo and Juliet are together in eternity. Oh, I did, now why am I saying it that way? Romeo and Juliet are together in eternity. Forty thousand men and women every day, like Romeo and Juliet. 40,000 men and women every day redefine happiness. Another 40,000 coming every day, we can be like they are. Now, I can see where people would make that mistake, but what Buck Dharma was saying is he pulled 40,000 as a number off the top of his head because he thought, well, maybe that's how many people die every day. <laughs> Not how many people kill themselves, but I don't know how many people die. How about 40,000? And it seemed to work in the song. Uh, and again, he uses that idea of Romeo and Juliet because they were so in love and they wanted to spend uh, the eternities together. But this is really where I, I think the lyrics are really profound. It says, Love of two is one. Here, but now they're gone. Came the last night of sadness, and it was clear she couldn't go on. Then the door was open, and the wind appeared. The candles blew, then disappeared. The curtains flew open, and he appeared, saying, Don't be afraid. And she had no fear, and she ran to him, and they started to fly. Now, those are some really nice lyrics about somebody who's come to the end of their life um, and her loved one comes to greet her, and they then begin their lives over again. And really profound words to me that have a, a, a much deeper meaning and, and a, a really positive meaning of a song that I've loved for so many years. It, I, I think it rivals Shakespeare in its poeticism. <laughs> I, don't, no, I don't know if it really sarcasm, does. No. But that was beautiful, and, yeah. and, and your rendition of it was... I'm tearing up. <laughs> very, very rhymy. <laughs> very cadency. Um, glad that we can have a little bit of uh, lighthearted humor there because now we're going to move into what 
to my favorite part of this song or, or the second story of this song uh, where we really talk about this song gaining just a little bit of life again. And that is the Christopher Walken Saturday Night Live skit about oh, yes. I need more cowbell. <laughs> and um, that skit on Saturday Night Live is, as I understand it, has been uh, listed on several lists as the funniest moment on television. And, and I would I would tend to agree with that if that's really true. I think that skit is absolute comic perfection. Um, and in my mind, it's it's comic perfection due to Christopher Walken. Oh, yeah. uh, although Will Ferrell is incredible in that, it's all due to Christopher Walken and his perfectly deadpanned delivery of all of those lines that would just be so stupid otherwise. Uh, first time I saw that, I completely lost it. My wife and I used to watch Saturday Night Live a lot back when it was funny. Uh, and <laughs> and Christopher Walken was one of our favorites. Christopher Walken is a, is a, a comedic genius, yes. and yet he is also a very, very good, serious actor. And when we saw this, I, I was just blown away. It's That skit is so funny and so perfect and so totally off the wall. And I will also admit that it made it more funny because I went back and listened to the song thinking, there's no cowbell in this. They're just making <laughs> fun of that song and, and making up a scenario that didn't really occur. And for the first time in my life... I heard the cowbell because it was brought to my attention, whereas I'd never noticed it before. But now I can't hear the song and not notice the cowbell. So there you go. I got a fever, and the only cure is more cowbell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is that is a, a great moment genius. in television. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely genius. After this episode of Saturday Night Live aired, uh, Will Ferrell was at an award show. I don't know whether it was the Grammys or something like that. And... Uh, uh, there was a band on stage who was playing Time Has Come by the Chambers Brothers. And about midway through the song, Will Ferrell uh, jumped up on stage and did a, a cowbell solo for a couple of minutes right in the middle of the song, which is, you know, there is a cowbell solo in the song. It's pretty incredible. That's great. Well, in the SNL skit, uh, Walt, uh, Christopher Walken plays a producer named Bruce Dickinson. And um, apparently, besides being uh, the Iron Maiden's lead singer, there is a different Bruce Dickinson who is a music producer who had absolutely nothing to do with producing this song. However, he represents uh, another famous rock star, and every time this famous rock star calls up Bruce Dickinson and Bruce Dickinson answers the phone, the first thing that this rock star says is, I need more cowbell. <laughs> and so he's been forever associated with a song that he didn't really produce. That is good. I, I, I don't know that more cowbell thing, so I was just looking at it. Oh, oh, well, we got to watch that now. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks, Tim. That was a great rock tale about Blue Oyster Colts. Don't Fear the Reaper. For the listeners of the Rocktail Hour, Audible.com is offering a free audiobook download with a 14-day trial membership to give you a chance to try out their service. Audible.com has over 100,000 titles to choose from. One audiobook Rocktail Hours may be interested in is Eric Clapton's autobiography. Download your free audiobook from the link on our home page or affiliates page. Please email us at dudes at rocktailhour.com if you think we got it all wrong, if you think you have an interesting rock tale of your own, or if you have a recommendation of a song that would be a good subject for Rocktail Hour. I need more cowbell! Please contact us if you want to buy the next round at an upcoming Rocktail Hour by becoming a sponsor. Until then, rock on! Rock on!